Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Main Green Nation podcast. Welcome to it. It's uh, it's about to be a Sunday afternoon. Right now, it's still technically morning. And uh, North Texas went 2-0 on a road trip. Um, the toughest road trip. And we mentioned this coming into this week. I'm here joined, uh, as usual, during basketball season by Mr. Greg G. How you doing, Greg? Doing great. Um, so, you know, they went to Ruston. And they, they beat them up. Uh, it wasn't like a blowout, but I mean, so the thing about like, I don't really feel bad for them, right? You're like, well, they lost Kobe Williams for the year. I mean, that that's between them, right? Like part of being a good team is making sure that you're able to play. And part of making sure you're able to play is that you don't have personal issues that get you kicked off the squad or that make the coach kick you off the squad or whatever the situation is. Like, I mean, I don't know what it is, how serious it is, but I do know that Kobe Williams not on the team anymore. And Louisiana Tech already struggling, uh, you know, struggling, struggling some more. So, I mean, that's the thing. So that's what happens. Um, so North Texas went over there. They got a win. And then they got to turn around, turn around and basically cross the country, right? Because that's Ruston, Louisiana. And then they got to go through all of Texas, basically, to the very tip of Texas on the other side, right? In West <laughs> Texas, which is basically not even Texas. Uh, it, it's kind of like that part of Texas is kind of like the part of like your house. You're like, yeah, I guess this is part of my property here, but you know, I ain't really come over here. I don't really know. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Nobody's ever over here. Uh, so that's El Paso and North Texas went to there and Joe Golding had all them dudes doing what they do, which is play ridiculous defense and then throw the ball at the rim and then go get the rebound <laughs> and then like throw the ball at the rim again enough times until they go like three for seven all in one possession but, you know, like, they, they make it, you know, so whatever. Uh, that's it. <laughs> North Texas came it was a It was an ugly game, and but the kind of game that you that, that happens in conference play. Uh, Tyler Perry showed up late in the game. He hit some, like, three killer step backs that you're like, surely not this one's the one. He's going, nope, there it is again. He made another <laughs> one. He's killing them. They cannot stop him. Uh, you can see every time he hit those that it's like uh, it's like playing, like, Mortal Kombat or something. And then somebody unleashes a combo. You're like, ah, oh, they got the combo again. Poop, 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 poop. Now I had a full bar of health, and now it's all the way nothing. Now what? You know, that's what that's what Tyler Perry does to you. Wop, wop, wop. Hit a three in your eye, and you're like, well, how did that take half my life? It did. Um, and so the North Texas two and zero, right? That's how you get there. Hey, hey, you just put it perfectly. <laughs> Sum it all up, right? Yeah. I mean, the Kobe William thing was kind of a bit shocking but i don't know it just feels like that program is just getting ready to implode like people Mm. are gonna leave Mm. um the utep thing i I mean you know it was like a house of horrors for us last year Mm. and it just seemed like we weren't ready it was like their super bowl playing against us like they were just all up in our ass from the start and you're like uh okay (laughs) we might need to ramp up the intensity just a tad but then 
it was like everything that could go right for UTEP was. I mean, a team that shoots 61% from the free throw line for the season is out there, you know, knocking down 90% of their shots, and you're like, okay, come on, man. <laughs> like, this just, no. And then, I mean, the, I, you're talking about Tyler doing his combo moves against, after watching Gibbons, I, I wanted to call him Gibbons, um, <laughs> after watching him play against UAB and then play, like, pretty much the first half and a quarter against Tyler Perry. Like he might, he might be the best on ball defender in conference USA. Like he, he probably has the quickest hands. He was given jelly problems, you know, just swipe steals, but Tyler just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about this whole, the North Texas after the game. And I was like referring back to remember the Titans. And I was like, we're, where Boone is talking about his offense. He's like, it's just like Novocaine. Just give it time. It's going to work. And that's, the, that's how I feel about North Texas. Like just give it time. And by the end of the game, we're going to look up and be like, I don't know how we won, but we won. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so like, uh, yeah, yeah I, I never really felt like they were going to lose or, I mean, like it's, it's always possible. Right. And then I'm like, so as the, the the you know guys were making plays, we called out, we tweeted about it as it was happening, and I'm gonna try to see if I can write about it. I for those who've been asking like where I've been and that kind of stuff, I've been super busy, like 60, 70 hour weeks. We got a lot of stuff going on in the day job, and so uh, it turns out after all that, I'm not super hyped to watch a basketball game, or if I do try to watch a basketball game, I, it's all I could do with it. It's immediately sleep time. But uh, in this game, right? Uh, Kai Huntsbury was good. I think he had 19. Tyler Perry had 20. Um, uh, Mu Sissoko, he was very good. He, again, he, he has four fouls, only five points, but he was very good at times. Little things like where Kai Perry's getting into the lane and he's sealing out the other guy. Like that, Those are little things. They, like I'm, I'm looking on the box score. I don't see sealed off his man so Kai Huntsbury can get a bucket. That's not a category in the box score. But it's they a did little that like three times last yeah. night. Those are winning plays, right? Um, Matt Stone had ten points. Uh, one of them, he kind of kind of stole a little point for himself. Um, <laughs> but it's fine. Uh, it was, he could have kicked it up ahead, but he's like, oh, "I'm gonna take it myself, get a layup." That's fine. Pat just that. Um, he played well. He had a clutch three uh, late in regulation. Um, lots of good stuff. Uh, Ruben Jones again, a, a couple clutch steals, including one late that sealed the game. Uh, he read the defense, North Texas, trapping the baseline drive. And if you trap the baseline drive, the only outlet, or the number one outlet, is the long pass to the other, to the opposite corner. You got to be there. Ruben Jones is there. Stole the ball. And uh, that's just quality stuff by him. You know, uh, like six man of the year, in my opinion, because uh, he does a lot for the squad. He had 11 points in this one, uh, including the three. He went one or two from three. We talked about him shooting a lot better. Uh, Jaden Martinez made an appearance and he missed a three. Uh, there was some conversation about that. I, I, I think it's going to be the same way for that dude. It's like he, he's going to have to come in. He's going to get a couple minutes and he has to be excellent in those minutes. Uh, it's not <laughs> even just about making the shot, but shooting it with confidence and, and not getting lost on defense and all that stuff. Yeah, but, there there was some mention like that he might be injured as well too, like his back might, might be injured. So, I mean, that, that could be the possibility. <laughs> I was think it's funny like whenever he gets in the game lately like the first time he touches the ball like it's going up he's like i i know i'm not playing many minutes so i'm gonna get my shot and see where i'm at because if i make one maybe i'll get a few more minutes right well, 
Yeah, well, they say, right, yeah, your back, your legs, they don't hurt if the ball goes in. It's only when you've been missing and you're like, ah, yeah, my knee. <laughs> I, get the I mean, you know, back injuries, that, that sucks. So I, I don't know if we know the full story of, like, why he's not getting playing time. I think it's yeah. it could be a combination of injuries and Sissoko playing well. And, I mean, the, there's no doubt, though, like, if you look at the analytical stats, um, that the team plays well or had had played well with Martinez on the floor. Um, and they're also now playing well, I think, with Sissoko on the floor. I think he's he's probably a better backup for Usman and, and what they want to accomplish. Um, but, like, you know, Martinez, he, he had the great game against Middle Tennessee, and he hit important shots there. He had the game against FIU and hit important shots there. And, and hopefully he can get healthy in the next two weeks because – I, I just feel like somewhere down the line, you're going to need Martinez to hit a couple big shots. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. I just feel like... So we, this is a rehash of what we said last week, right? We we basically said the same thing, right? He had he was getting 14, 15 minutes a game all the way up until February 4th. And since that point, it's had he's had like a total of 15 minutes, right? Uh, he didn't play against Louisiana Tech, and I think that was maybe the discussion. Maybe he was a little hurt so he didn't get in the game because he had six minutes against Charlotte. Um, so, you know, you kind of look at the, like what Mac likes to do, right? He says the, the roster or the, the rotation is deeper on Saturdays than it is on Thursdays, right? Just everybody's fresher on Thursday, Saturday, you need to kind of rotate through everybody. So on Saturdays is when Jade Martinez is going to get his shot, right? So if you, you just know this, right? Cause you can look around. That's what happened with Sissoko. Like he had 20 minutes last night, but he was getting, you know, five minutes, two minutes, one minute, that kind of thing. And so, whatever the case is, like I said, like yeah, I'm literally looking at it, it's like a flip. Uh, on <laughs> on the 16th of uh, uh, January, uh, January 28th, he, he played 16 minutes. I mean, uh, and then 13. Talking about Sissoko, and then it's been about you know like 10 minutes a game, right? Last last game he played 20, and some of that was because uh, Usman was was uh, fouling out again. The thing is, like you asked, right? Where are you gonna play? Like Sissoko's he's balling out, in my opinion, like for his role as the backup five. So is Martinez playing better than like a Reuben Jones, uh, a Tyree Eady, and Aaron Scott? He's not. I, I mean, any of those dudes, you're like, well, which guy can he replace where you feel like we're getting a plus with him? Not a whole lot, right? And so, like, I mean, right now, if it's, if it's not Reuben playing, I'd like Scott in there. I like what Edie brings. And so that's, that's his challenge right now. And that's all putting aside whether or not he's injured or something like that. But it doesn't help his case. Because uh, those dudes are playing well, and they're not injured, right? So you know it's hard to play better than them while it's injured. So I, the thing is, uh, Jaden Martinez is not a bad player. He's good. He can he he brings a lot to the table. It's just that right now he's not playing well enough to displace one of these guys in front of him, and that's a good problem to have. I'd rather I'd want that. And then like you said, the the healthy ways for for him to to root on uh, root for his team, right? His teammates. And also prepare himself for, as you said, the moment we're going to need him out there to step on the court and be ready uh, to hit big-time shots because it's coming. Yeah, so just kind of looking at some of the, the lineups um, on Evan Maya's website and, like, the team offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency when these five players are on the floor. So Kai Huntsbury, Ruben Jones, Tyler Perry, Aaron Scott, and Sissoko – Offensive efficiency with that group of five, 133. Defensive efficiency, 79.7. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. And then the next one down, Edie, Jones, Usman, Perry, Scott, 
Um, you know, that's 111 offensive efficiency, 71 for defensive efficiency. That's, I mean, you know, so Sissoko really wasn't in like the top, you know, at the beginning of the year, those like five man rotations, like when you're looking at offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency, like he wasn't factoring in, but Martinez, like he was always like at the top, like in a group of five players. And and he still is like the Huntsbury, Martinez, Usman, Perry, Matt Stone lineup which I feel like we never we've only seen for 21 offensive possessions and 20 defensive possessions that has a, a team offensive efficiency rating of 166.7 <laughs> so I mean yeah so like the thing is that um the so two things about that is like one it's hard to it's like the coaches don't look at that number and say oh look like it's time to put you out there because uh, uh, some of the things is like, are you giving us what we need in this lineup? Because you can put your five best dudes out there and then nobody can bring the ball up the court. And you're like, uh, we forgot to get to, or you're just getting killed rebounding or this, that, and the other, right? So um, I think all those things are good. I I, I think that tells you something. And you know, like you, you'd be smart as a coach to look at those kinds of numbers, right? What are the most frequent lineups? Where are we using them? Are we missing something because we're too close to it? Like, what is the third party telling us? Like, you know what? You probably should play this dude just a little bit more because, you know, something's good happening. Um, Is that I know just from watching with my own two eyes and, like, the two minutes that, like, uh, Sissoko would come out and he would turn the ball over and make a mistake. And you could see the staff be like, oh, John, and they they pull him back out. So he might have been – like budgeted for like three, four, five minutes, but then you make a mistake in minute one, and they're like, "Okay, <laughs> that's it. We're not doing that." Especially like a crucial point. And so the thing is, you have to make the most of your minutes. And then, like, you know, I think in that time, I don't think he turned the ball over, or he might have. That it just becomes one of those things where like we're gonna save ourselves and not get a turnover. So your your advanced numbers might be might be changed up or something like that. But I think yeah, one he, one area where those are the, like your efficiency shows up is like if you're on the court doing little things and you're like, man, it just seems like we score better when he's on the court. That's where they'll show up, right? But, yeah. So he had the two turnovers. He had definitely the one travel, and then I can't remember what his other turnover was. But he had two assists, and I think like you know one thing that was always interesting, like when we had Zach, like Zach was a great passer. Right. And Usman is a good passer as well, too. But then when Usman replaced Zach as that secondary center, when we made the run to the NCAA tournament, Usman was more of a defender and a scorer. He wasn't necessarily like a passer. And he was kind of the same version of Zach on the floor offensively. Right. He was going to be in the post and that's where he was going to stay. Where you look at Sissoko coming in, you know, he's he's a pretty good passer. And it's really not like. He's just moving the ball. It's not like staying with him. And he doesn't – he also doesn't camp out in the post. So, yeah. like, I think there's there's better spacing. You know, he's setting a lot of ball screens up, you know, on the perimeter, not camping out, staying at the free throw line, making sure that things open up on the floor. And so I think it helps the offense when you've got guys like Hunsbury. That, that gives him driving lanes. That gives Ruben driving lanes. And so it might seem like the offense was functioning better with – Sissoko out there but I mean you still you still have to have Uzman because I mean like he's just there's not a lot of teams that have bigs that can score like him. Yeah. I mean it just it really goes back to 
McCaslin at the beginning of the year saying like this was maybe his best team and his deepest team. And like we didn't see it early on because we had the injuries from Ruben and Perry. But now as you see these role players injecting themselves into games and making plays that are winning plays, right now we're seeing what McCaslin said play out. Yeah, I think so. I remember some of your tweets from earlier in the year when, when Matt Stone was a big part of the offense. That's not something we want, right? Matt Stone <laughs> is not—he's <laughs> not a primary scorer out here. You know what I mean? Like he does a lot of good things. He flies around. He hustles hard. He gets some junk points. That's that's you know what I mean. And like that's not a knock on him. There's there's been thousands upon thousands of basketball players whose role is that the coach sits them down and say, "Look, we're not running any plays for you, right? You're not gonna get any plays run for you." Your points are going to come from hustle points, right? Sprinting the floor, diving on the floor, you know what I mean? Getting fouled, that's the kind of thing. That's where you're that's what you're bringing to this team. That's what we what we need you on the floor for. And so, when you're looking at Matt Stone and you're saying you got 10 points and just about all of them were hustle points, right? Cutting when you need to cut, making yourself open, flashing like cutting hard, being open, being ready to score. And that was it. The play was for for I think it was uh, Tyler Perry. He was out there being trapped. Matt Stone is available. Here's a pass, easy layup, right? That's that's where you score, um, and he's doing that. And I, I think it reminds me again of like Sissoko. Nobody's we're not gonna post him up the way we do for Usman, but he gets those outlet passes, the the pressure release passes, and I think it's great because he finishes with authority. It's two hands, two hand dunks in in, in your eye, and that's it's a little bit demoralizing to your team, right? Because you're, like, flying around trying to defend Tyler Perry because your game plan says Tyler Perry, right? He's the one bolded and circled by, you know, three coaches and they're tapping him. We got guard number five. Uh, nobody's talking about, you know, Sissoko. Uh, but so he's out there and he's dunking it and, and you foul him and he gets a three-point play. It's, you're like, oh, we did all this work. I chased this guy off the screen. I stayed in front of him. I didn't bite for the hezzy. And then and there's, they get score anyway, right? Like that. That's valuable, and I, I I like that point, right? Like everybody, like already Kai Huntsbury's had a couple game winners. I get texts now, like saying, "Oh, we're you know clutch situation. Who we're giving it to? Right? Who are we running for? Tyler Perry, Kai Huntsbury. Like, that's an option now. We can think. I, I'm comfortable with either of them doing it. Before it's like, well, this is clearly Tyler Perry time. <laughs> you know, there's nobody else we want the ball. Uh, now I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't hate it if it's Kai Huntsbury with the, the ball in his hands. Um, and what we've seen, especially in this one, is it, it frees up. Tyler to kind of rest a little bit and be a, a game changer, you know, at full strength. Yeah. I mean, so in that game, Tyler Perry was, you know, was struggling, right? The Givens was, was all up in his grill, was making things difficult, um, was taking the ball away from him, was, you know, swatting down when he was trying to go for shots, getting his hands on some of the crossovers. And you saw like Tyler, he played, um, played 37 minutes but really he sat for a long portion of the second half and then when Huntsbury and Ruben kind of started to make the comeback for North Texas and got close and then Usman fouled out with what like four four and a half to go in yeah. the game that's when they put Tyler Perry back on he had been sitting for you know maybe three minutes then at that point and then from there on, it was like Tyler Perry just took over. Like, he was a different person. I mean, he was hitting the shots. He was getting open. Um, but to your point about, you know, having the two dudes at the end of the game, yeah, because they're, they they can both get to the rim. They can both finish at the rim. Huntsbury's probably a little bit better finisher just because of his, his size and strength. They can both knock down threes. 
They can both shoot free throws well. They can both find guys open, other guys open. So like they, it's just something that they have not had really in the McCaslin era. Like he, we had Javion and, and Zach was probably the other go-to guy on those teams, right? Then you had Tyler Perry and, you know, maybe you're saying Thomas Bell is the other go-to guy. But now you have uh, another guard, and you have a big guy that you can run through. So you have three guys that you can run your offense through at any point in the game, and they're all a little bit different. They're different players. But, I mean, that makes it really tough when you're an opposing coach. Like, I I can't just shut down Tyler Perry. I mean, that's going to be the focus of my defense. But if I do that, you know, I'm letting Huntsbury be one-on-one against somebody he can potentially take into the post. Or I'm gonna, you know, not be able to double team Usman now because the other guys on the, the the wing are starting to hit their shots. So like we're we're slowly becoming that team that you know is really good defensively and is pretty good offensively too. Yeah, and and like you said, I think a lot of that is just um, mixing in the the versatility and then changing up because I think. I was trying to test the theory. Like, uh, I think Tyler Perry's usage rate is up, right? He's getting like 24 to 28% of the possessions now. And I want to say last year it was a little bit less. Yeah, it was like Thomas Bell was higher. I think Tyler Perry was about in the 20% range. Um, and so his usage rate is up. But, like, there are three guys in the 24 to 28% percent of percentage uh, possessions used. Last year, that was one dude. It was Thomas Bell. Yeah, Thomas Bell was always touching the ball. And then it was like Thomas Bell, Abu Usman. And a lot of that was throwing the ball um, into <laughs> into the post or them touching it like uh, a ton. And, you know, J.J. Murray basically never touched the ball. Aaron Scott never touched the ball. Jones, McBride, they would kind of touch the ball sometimes. right? But it, it was very static. You kind of knew what was going to happen. This year, you have, in terms of guys that, that um, uh, was it 24 to 28% of possessions used, Perry, Huntsbury, Usman. That's three dudes. It gives it just a little bit of more flexibility. And then that middle range is 16 to 20% possessions. That's Ruben Jones. It's Jaden Martinez right now. A lot of that was earlier in the year. Uh, but Aaron Scott is in that middle. Like, you know, he touches the ball sometimes, right? But anytime he gets it, he's scoring. His offensive rating is 121.5. That means good things happen when he gets the ball. That means you're catching the ball and shooting it, hitting a three, or you're dunking it, or you're fl- slashing in, you're catching and scoring. And that that matches the eye test, right? That's what we think of him. Like, you know what? When the ball finds Aaron Scott, it's always good stuff happening. But a lot of that's him, like, flying in, getting a tap in. Well, there's a possession used, but he just made something happen. Um, so all that's good, right? And then, like, Edie, Stone, they hardly ever touch the ball, but they have high offensive ratings. That means, again, when they're getting the ball, it's usually because they're wide open and so they can score or something like that. That's how you want it, right? Our, our top ball handlers, our top... Uh, Guys that are touching the ball a ton. Tyler Perry, Huntsbury, Usman, uh, 100 plus. And Tyler Perry's 49th in the country. Um, and, and in terms of at least 24%, he's like fifth in the country in offensive rating. Good stuff. Shooting 44, is it 45% from three? Ridiculous stuff. So anytime you can, you can just give him a little rest. And w- one possession I liked was late. Uh, they swung the ball. I think Ruben Jones attacked. Uh, and then they kicked the ball out again. Matt Stone attacked, and this is the thing where he's improved. Last year, he would not have done this. He would have kind of been on whatever. Earlier in the year, we complained about it. It looked like he just wanted to get the ball away. Like, he had it. 
And he was like, oh, somebody here is a hot potato, right? Like, you have to get the ball and attack, right? At least pretend to attack. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, like, this time he got it, and he dribbled hard into the paint. Now, I think I know, you know, we all know, like, you know what? Matt Stone's not going to get He's not going to dunk. He's not Matt McClung out here. He's not going to do a 360 dunk on nobody. <laughs> but he's going to get into the paint. He, and he, but he attacked with authority and aggression. And then UTEP moved. That opened up Tyler Perry for a catch-and-shoot three. And let me tell you guys, Tyler Perry on a catch-and-shoot three, that's a good basketball play, right? So, again, that's a, that's a mistake on UTEP's part. Like, hey, look, we got Matt Stone driving with aggression into the, into, you know, into the rim. Let's maybe stay on Tyler Perry and let Matt Stone see what would happen there, right? That's the smart play. But they were like, nope, no middle. We're going to go defend him. He kicks it out. Tyler Perry hits the three, right? So plus basketball play for Matt Stone for being aggressive, plus, you know, obviously for Tyler Perry for being awesome. Uh, and that's that's what we want. Like, that's the difference. You drive and attack. Now, again, Matt Stone didn't shoot in play. That's something we want. We don't really want Matt Stone shooting the ball when we have Tyler Perry, Kai Huntsbury. Ruben Jones, Aaron Scott, all these dudes on the court. We don't absolutely need Matt chucking it up. But he attacked like he was willing to do it. Like, you know, hey, UTEP, I'm going to try to score. And then Tyler Perry's wide open, three three ball time. I'll, I'll give him this. When he did shoot and he made the two, he shot with confidence. Yeah, that's it. Right. And, and so there's a difference between I'm open and I'm shooting, but I don't know if I should be shooting. Uh-huh. And I'm open, I'm shooting – I probably shouldn't be, but it doesn't matter anyways because I'm yeah. putting it up and like I feel good about my shot, right? Like both of those times that he took the three, like you were like, if you hadn't watched North Texas all year, you were like, okay, number twenty-three, that's a dude that can shoot a three. We, we you know, he looks like a, a shooter, right? Yeah. But earlier in the year, he didn't look like that. He looked like he was passive, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, that, that goes back to what we kind of talked about last week. Is like this team continues to grow. And there's still more growth that can be had by some of these role players. Yeah, and there's a lot of things because I think he was shooting like 05 to start of the year or something like that. But some of those, I say everybody was shooting poorly. Um, you have to make yourself a threat, right? Like uh, it's it's just in anything. And I always think back about like uh, Kevin Durant when he was on Oklahoma City, and he was yelling at like I think Andre Roberson or something. He was like, "Shoot the ball." And the thing is, like, yeah, like, you have to make a threat because otherwise you're going to be like, no, let's leave that dude wide open. Uh, he's not going to shoot. He's not a threat. So then we can put two guys on Kevin Durant, three guys on Kevin Durant. You shoot the ball to to relieve pressure off your best players, right? You make yourself a threat. And this staff does a great job of talking about what, what that kind of threat is. It's like, you know what? If those three ball ain't falling for you or you're having trouble shooting it, then don't shoot it. That's fine. But get the ball and attack. You know what I mean? Like it, it's a paint touch. It's something being aggressive, making yourself a threat to score. That's what scares defenses: threats to score. And so if you're chucking up bricks out there from three, the way Tay Hardy was for UTEP, like I don't know, man. <laughs> Some of those offensive rebounds, I gotta say, I was like, you know, I can't really blame our squad because you don't practice offensive rebounding with just you know like rockets. You know, look like uh, look. <laughs> Nolan Ryan firing a basketball at the rim a couple of times. What is going on here? What are you doing? What is this? Yeah, I mean, going back to the critical play that, that led to overtime, right? Yeah. Okay, so so one, you, you had two players in there that aren't normally in in those situations. You had Stone and Sissoko. Yeah. Two, you didn't have a timeout to call, to go over like, I, you know, after, if, if I was a coach and, and 
he missed the first one, I would have called timeout and been like, okay, there's a pretty good chance that he's going to try and miss this second one. So you, you're you're trying to determine your strategy of like who's who's where on the court, and maybe you get another rebounder in. Okay, and third, we haven't been great all year on free throw blockouts. Anyways, we we've, we've <laughs> yeah. allowed some some of those to occur. So I you know I I get it, stone whiffed, but. Look, he, he made up for it later in the game, and, yeah. and he didn't let it affect him in, in overtime. So the, the rest of it, like the whole last two minutes of, the, of that game, we did not block out. I know you you know, you know said guys you know, were taking rockets of a liner, but it's still <laughs> when, you, when you looked at our dudes underneath the basket, they weren't really attacking the ball, and they weren't attacking their man and blocking out. Yeah. You know, I know Ruben missed one, and he was frustrated about it, and, and like Sissoko – you know, he's great. Like, well, I'm not going to say he's great, but like one of the times, and I think it was like, it might've been Solomon or whatever. He had his hand straight up. The dude missed the first shot and he just continued to have his hand straight up. And I was like, no, he, he missed it. Go get it. Like, don't just stand there. Like go grab it. So sometimes I, I, I mean, we struggled, we struggled with rebounding at times, but I mean, for what we are as a team, we're not bad rebounding. It's just like situational rebounding, I think, has hurt us at times this year. Yeah, I always think about like rebounding, you know, because everybody's taught to go block out and this, that, and the other. And I think that's all useful. And there's been times, like I said, my my terrible high school basketball career where I blocked out. And I was like, oh, that was very useful. I got the ball. And then other times where I think you just have to have a little bit of what they call like a junkyard dog mentality or you just got to be hungry or whatever analogy you want to use. And I think I was the, the coach told Charles Barkley one time, he's like, look, what are you doing? Block it out. Go get the ball. Go rebound the ball. Like, and some of it is just, I want the ball more than anybody else. And, you know, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I don't have any advice or anything thinking about that. But I, I wonder about that because I don't know what we're teaching. I don't know what. But sometimes you might just need a guy that just says, every ball is mine. And he, if it goes up in the air, it's my ball. And then you see those guys, and you're just like, I don't know how he got the ball. He just jumps around somebody, flies in, always gets his hands on it, touches it, keeps moving, and you're just like, yeah, you always get in the rebound. I don't know how he does it. I don't know. Uh, I don't know that Matt Stone has that because <laughs> that's what it looked like there at that, in that play. But I don't have that. I'm, not, I'm definitely not in there getting rebounds like that. I can tell you that right now. I mean, there's some technique to rebounding, right? To know yeah. the flight of the ball and where it's going to bounce off, right? And then the other thing, like you talk about, junkyard dog, right? So you watch UTEP last night, and that's probably like their whole team mentality is like junkyard dog. Right? Yeah. And so I, I could see where that, that paid off for them in those rebound situations. But still, I, I we're not in the huddle, but I mean, I, I have to believe that McCaslin was like stressing to him, like, guys, we, we got to get rebounds. We're They're going to miss shots. And and this goes back to you you too talking about the beginning or when we were in, in trouble, you're like, well, I never felt like we were out of the game and like are going to lose the game. For me, it was like, I didn't feel like we were going to lose, but I felt like UTEP was doing so much that yeah. like, how could we overcome that? And so it was rebounding was one of those things. Like I was like, I know UTEP is going to miss shots because they just <laughs> cannot shoot the ball. Like we, we just got to go get the ball after they miss it. If, yeah. if we, if we limit them to one shot possessions, there's no way they're going to be able to keep us from coming back. Yeah, and, it was. That, yeah, it, I mean, th- those kinds of games are tough. Um, like if like you don't, you can't match their energy there. 
uh, and so like I said, some of it's energy because like they're they just play at that level, right? It's, it's sort of like when teams play North Texas. And North Texas is always fighting for the entire possession, and they're playing hard, fighting over every screen. You're like, ah, that's hard to match that because we're not used to people doing it. Usually, okay, the first couple, but then you know they're gonna open up, right? Third, fourth, uh, um, like movement action on on the play, then they kind of they relax a little bit. Nobody likes fighting through that many screens, but North Texas will keep doing that. Well, it's the same thing where, like, UTEP will, like, keep hustling third, fourth, fifth effort. And you're like, man, that's a lot of efforts there, man. I thought you'd kind of give up by now. Some of that, <laughs> that's the case. Um, I was thinking about that rebound, right? Uh, it was, like, a mystery that I think it was on Yemma. Um, the ball clanked off the rim. And, like, so everybody's trying to get the rebound off that. And then it it falls to, I think, I forget who it was. It might have been Givens. I don't remember. But then they end up throwing the lob, right? And the guy dunks it, and everybody's all hyped. Um I mean, it's those those little junk plays there. Like I don't know, he's, those are frustrating because one, you got a bad shooter at the line and he misses, and then you're all like guys are hustling, they're moving, trying to get the ball. But you know, credit to Utah for being more, you know, energetic. They're at home. There's a little bit of that there too. They're at home. North Texas had a long trip. Whatever. That's why you play. I think that's all fine, right? You know, I, I like that that part of it. I like tough environments. I like being like the deck stacked against you, the rest calling stupid things. I think that's good. That <laughs> builds all kinds of the character and it makes you feel good you get a win like this, right? You win eighty to seventy two, like, yeah, we had to go to the mountains in the middle of nowhere with the turd drawn on the court, whatever that was. Um you know what I mean? Like where the, the coach had to yell at the the, the fans, like get get hyped, whatever. Like all of that is this kind of stuff you tell stories about later. Uh but they feel good about that win. They they accomplished something. They overcame something. And but in that moment, yeah, it just, I don't know. Like, the ball falls t- right to him. That's thats the beauty about basketball sometimes. Like, you know what? We did everything right, and the ball just fell to the one guy it shouldn't have fell to. Like, you know what I mean? How did it do that? I know. So, the, again, that's what made me feel like, I don't know if we can win this game because <laughs> we're just not getting, like, any break to go our, our way. <laughs> yeah. Um, And so, yeah, that's what made that whole thing just a little bit sweeter. Just a little bit uh more wonderful three games left in the season uh how much time do we have we have we have about a half hour left in this podcast um i know uh was it ryan ryan had some more questions did we answer all of them i thought we did let me consult the old Twitterverse. yeah oh yeah twitter i think he did have a question about like attendance uh what does this program need to do to take the next step uh i think get more talent and win more those are the two things, right? Gonzaga, you want to look at them 20-something years ago uh, as being like the, the model from a, a mid-major to a quality, you know, uh, I mean, top-level program, national program, and people talk about them. And so you got to win. That um, it, ha- it can't be just, oh, yeah, they beat Purdue a couple years ago. It's like, man, every time North Texas is in there, they're wreaking havoc. And then that means also making the tournament every time. Well, you're a mainstay, and everybody remembers that because everybody fills out the bracket. They're like, oh, yeah, the mean green, right? Hey, remember they won on that little run? Yeah, that's how you do it. You're always there, and then you're always making noise. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. I mean, that's probably the next step. I, I think, you know, we, we need to see that run, like, past the first weekend, mm-hmm. right? That That might be the initial step to bringing the program to that next level, like you said, of just being a consistent, like they're always there in March, 
you know that North Texas is going to, you know, make a run in their, their conference tournament. And if they get into the tournament, you don't want to face them because, you know, they're tough as nails team and, and program, right? So everything which, with what you said, I would agree on. And then, you know, bringing in, you know, some more talent, the right talent. I don't know how that's going to play out. I mean, McCaslin, you know, we mentioned him before. He said this is his best team. And maybe we questioned that. Maybe we believed in it in the first half of the year before the season started. Um, but it, it kind of feels like it's going that way. Like when I, I was trying to go back and look at some of the, you know, this team feels like it's better than the tournament team. Like as far as what they have in terms of depth and their offensive. And I feel like this team is a better defensive team than that team was. Um, and they have more options offensively. And then the team that didn't get to play in the NCAA tournament because of the COVID year, which we felt like was, was really good and yeah. a really fun team to watch. That team didn't play defense like this team does, no. but that team had a better offense. And yeah. I was looking at the, like their offensive efficiency numbers and, you know, we're slowly starting to close the gap on that. Uh, yeah, what what uh, was that? Hamlet, Gibson, Simmons, James Reese. Yeah, and Goop. Yeah, they were, that was a good squad. Um, Tom, Thomas Bell off the bench. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a good squad. I think it would be it would be interesting to see this version of North Texas 23 team take on the 22 team just to see what happens. Um, I mean... You know, like you can only do that in in video games because Tyler Perry's on both squads, or like even the JV on Helmet squad. Um, all right, so yeah, that that's the answer. Like you know, and and how do you get more attendance, right? I think there's some of the the like North Tex Dallas area. I've said this before, right? Like you have to be amazingly great, it, just the way it is. Like the the great part about Dallas Fort Worth area is that there's so much going on, right? Like you can go to minor league hockey there's like two minor league i remember one year i was there was like two minor league hockey teams there's like two minor league baseball three it was like grand perry air hogs there's a few others right the frisco whatever um right now you can go see the texas legends you know you can go see you know uh g league basketball nba basketball you can see like five d1 basketball programs there right like U uta smu um, TCU is Big 12 basketball. And you can see quality programs playing in Dallas-Fort Worth just all the time. And so when you're spoiled for a choice like that, you have to be great, right? You can't just be, hey, we're pretty good. You have to be, we are so compelling that you're going to, driving out to Denton is worth it. And so that's, that's, that's the problem. That's a good and a bad thing, right? Um, you know, Mean Green Nation HQ right now is in, in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, you know, I went to the slew game the other day and I mean, there's not a whole lot going on in St. Louis, right? There's the one program. So everybody's there. So the one thing there, like Chaffetz arena is a great arena. It's about, you know, um, 10,000 plus capacity. It's about what I'd, I'd like for North Texas to have in Denton, but it's also the game in town, right? If you want to go see basketball, that's where you're going to go. Or you can th drive three hours to go see Mizzou play, but you're not going to do that on a Wednesday night. You're going to go over here. And even then, they're like, hey, here's $5 tickets. Come out, fill the arena because we're going to be on CBS Sports against Davidson or whoever. Uh, you can get good you get good, good attendance in this one, but it's downtown. It's a thing to do. It's a big town. There's a lot of reasons for it, and then there's history here, right? So it, it's hard to compare Denton, Texas against, like, a St. Louis or some other place where it's there ain't nothing else going on, right? In Lawrence, Kansas. What else you right. got going on? So – 
So when you're competing against so many people, like you kind of have to put on a show and this isn't like the, the product on the floor is doing what it needs to do. Now the rest of the stuff, the, the entertainment for, for families, you know, make like the arena, the arena, the super pit, like, you know, it's okay, but it kind of, it, it does suck. Right. It's not going to, people are not going to go to a basketball game because the super pit is aesthetically pleasing and it's, <laughs> yeah. and it's a great place to watch basketball. So you have to change that, but then you also have to find ways to bring in, you know, family entertainment besides just the basketball. Right. So you, you look at like that one baseball team, like the banana slugs out there in Savannah, <laughs> Right. You know, and it's like the Harlem Globe Globetrotters of baseball. But right. People want to go see that them play like and there's a bunch of other things that they're doing to draw people in. And I'm not saying North Texas has to, you know, be that on the court. But I think like they have to do other things to bring people in that like, hey, when I went to the UNC basketball game, like it was it was a fun environment to be in. But then the product on the floor, like these guys were really good, too. So I'm going to go back. Because, you know, tickets were cheap. My family had a fun time. It was a great arena. There was lots of amenities for me. And they're a good basketball team and they play hard. Like, I, I think, like, there's – it's not just one certain thing that's going to bring fans to the to the game. Yeah. Like, there's there's got to be a plan in place. And it's, it's a bunch of things that have to align for that to happen. Yeah, and I think the – like, say, the current arena, the current spot they play in, right, the pit – it's great if you can get all those kids to walk over from the dorms because I walk over from Maple, Maple Hall, right? It's a short, relatively short walk, and then I feel the other ones there. I think it's like Clark or something. And you just walk over. Um, but, I mean, it's not really easy to walk, especially like at night. It's not the easiest walk, the funnest walk. Um, and what's missing around there are stuff to do after, right? Like it would be great if, like, and you think about all ages. When I'm 22, you know, you know that would be great. Like, let's go to the game. And then after we'll go get some drinks, right? We'll go celebrate the win or drown our sorrows and loss across the street. But across the street is a parking lot, right? <laughs> it's old South. There's nothing there. You, you can walk to the, you know, where there's nowhere to go. You, you don't have access to any of that stuff. And that doubles for like family things, right? Like if I bring my kids to the game and we walk out, it's like, well, we're in the middle of nowhere. Let's all pile into the van. And even if anybody's hungry, like, Dad, I'm hungry. I'm like, yeah, but I gave you popcorn and a hot dog, whatever. Even if we want to just stop and get, like, real food or something, we're driving to wherever we're going to drive. And then I'm like, you know what? We just got food at home. It's very easy to make that switch. Maybe I've thought about it, but we'll just keep going. If you had other stuff around, like, you know what? We can stop at the place here. They got a restaurant. They got family seating. It's very family friendly. That kind of thing, right? So when you're thinking about all that kind of stuff, where they're going to build an arena, you got to think about the rest of the things there. Because like you're saying, right? You want to bring in everybody. You want to bring in students who want to go have a good time and, you know, uh, hit on other people and get people's phone numbers or swipe left. Or I don't know what people do anymore. You know, whatever they're going to do, scan each other's faces to see if they're good matches. I don't know. They, you want to do that. And also you want to invo uh, involve, like, the young couples, right? You know what I mean, coming back. So maybe they just want to have a nice dinner, whatever the case is, right? Pretend like they're rich now. And then, like, all those families, they're like, you know, I probably could afford good seats, but I got all these kids, and so we got a minivan, and we're going to be sitting up on the top, and I can maybe pay attention to the last five minutes if I give enough hot dog and popcorn and, you know, whatever, placate all these these uh, burdens that I have here who I love very much, right? You need all of those people. You need, you need the old folks, right? The people that need uh, easy access to get in and out, and then, you know what I mean? All that stuff. You need a whole community, and so you need things for them to stay. You want them to come? 
you got to make it easy and worthwhile because otherwise you're like you know i'm gonna be hungry there's no place to eat that's a lot but if you're like, you know it's great because even if we leave early we can stop and watch the game across the street because they got that place whatever you want all of it to be a destination and i think that's that's how you build up attendance there's no one way right it's not just the team's good is the team good but it's easy to get there is the team good and it's easy to park and then easy to get out and i'm not stuck in traffic for another half hour because I yeah, can commit to two hours, but I don't know if I can commit to five hours, right? And all those things become a greater factor when you go back to your first point. Like, North Texas isn't the only thing in town to watch. Yeah. Right? So it even, it just drives up the importance of those external factors. So, I mean, yeah, like, I, mean, I, I think the focus really for North Texas right now, like, before building the arena is, like, improving and getting consistency out of the student attendance like that that's got to be mosley's number one agenda right now and then after the season's over go back and say like okay now how how do we drive up some of the alumni attendance because i mean we, we look at it this team if if all the pieces that are supposed to return return next year they should be better than this year yeah, yeah you know I, I was just thinking about this when i was walking out um i don't i can't remember if any of this stuff but this is the same thing for like football, right? Like football, like the re- the you know Apogee's great and all that other good stuff. But to get to post game food or post game whatever, if you're not from Denver or you're just you're in town like that, it's kind of a yeah. You're like, oh, I gotta drive. Where are you gonna go? Two eighty eight. You gotta get. You just gotta do a lot of stuff, right? And you go south, and you're just like, well, I'm just going all the way to Fort Worth. There's nothing. We're gonna stop at Roanoke or something. There's not a whole lot don't going that way. Yeah, but I mean, when, when football has been good, the attendance has been good, right? Because it's a one day a week type of thing. Yeah, and you yeah, can do, yeah. You can do the tailgate. This is like two, you know, two games a week yeah, and it's yeah. Thursday night and a Saturday night, right? Your Saturday attendance should be really good. Your Thursday night, you know, you're going to depend on the student and, and they have been good on Thursday night recently, mm-hmm. but it's just, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into it. I, I'm frustrated too, because like, you know, 5,000 people, that should be, what this team like should be drawing and kind of deserves for where they're at. And, and obviously probably more, but it's just like, man, <laughs> like I, I want these guys to, to feel like they're loved, yeah. right? Because we, we love watching them so much, like from, from where we were from he who shall not be named at TCU <laughs> as an assistant coach to now, like, it's just, it's unbelievable. Right. And it makes like for people like us, that love to watch college basketball. Like, I mean, it's just great. Our, our team is on the bubble, and we're in a mid-major program. Yeah. That's very tough to do, and, like, you've got to appreciate that, and I wish that more fans, more people in the community would because it's it's not a a program that, that goes out there and is going to buy wins maybe like an SMU or a Blue Blood <laughs> program, yeah. right? These are, these are really good dudes that care about their teammates and the community, and they just they deserve more love. So I think that segues nicely into the question, is this the year that we could lose Grant McGaslin? Uh, I think every year is a possibility that they lose him. I think it can go two ways, right? Like, the thing is that Mac, yeah, the same way, like any person has a complicated series of factors that play into whether or not they feel fulfilled in their current role, right? I mean, think about yourself out there listening, right? You know, if a, a better job, more money, better situation came your way, more opportunity to grow, 
you consider it, right? You're like, well, you know, I like where I am, but, you know, if I, this is a role where I can grow a little bit more, I can develop as a whatever I do, you know, uh, you have to consider it. And the thing is that, like, North Texas, in order to keep somebody of his of his caliber, has to make sure that they're, they're giving him what, what, you know, he needs to grow up until the point where it just doesn't make sense. There's a point where that doesn't happen. Somebody says, hey, we're going to give him $10 million a year to coach University of Texas. Well, we're going to say thanks for the memories, you know, because we don't have $10 million a year to give them. And we don't have, an, it's all the other stuff, right? We don't have a, a, a basketball center like, what is it, the is it the Moody? What is the new one in Texas, Austin? Is it the, yeah, it's the Moody, but yeah, it is the Moody Center. But isn't SMU's also called the Moody Center? Yeah, that's why I, I stopped. I was like, what? Do I not know what the names are? But yeah, that's it's, my point. <laughs> okay, so it, SMU's the Moody Coliseum. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's like the American Airlines Center and American Airlines Arena. That's a, that's the difference, like that. Yeah. And uh, Texas is who's this moody person? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? Is that like you have to? There's gonna be a point where we can't keep them, right? And so if if like a Texas comes calling, and they might, uh, or somebody else like that, you, you're not gonna be able to compete with them. So uh, the other part of it is like if we're making sure that the program has what it needs and we're, we're supporting the program uh, for all the good reasons, right? Cause we're, we want to support the program, the players, everybody give them a, a great experience here. Then I think Mac will be like, okay, well they're at least giving me a, a chance here. Right. In his time here, he's, he's gotten support. He's gotten the help. He's gotten the, from the administration. And so I don't think he can say, well, North Texas doesn't care. He's like, maybe they care, but they don't have all the resources that I would like. But I don't know that that particular thing is like if you go somewhere else, are they going to give them the same kind of thing? This it's a complicated series of factors, right? Are they going to give them what Dallas Fort Worth does, right? Closeness to his family, a place that he likes, a place where his kids are. Those are important things. And so we can't just rest on that and say, well, he likes Dallas. He's never going to leave Dallas. Dallas Fort Worth, right? Denton, he's not going to leave that. We can't just say that's going to do the heavy lifting. We got to make sure that you're donating, that, you know, Moses investing, that they're giving them what they need. If they need better video coordinators, it's time to upgrade, right? If their computer sucks, it's time to fix it, replace it. All those little things to make it easier for them to do their job and, and you know, coach up a great pro- program. So, Yeah, I think a couple things. I think it helps to have an athletic director, again, who's basketball savvy and invested like Jaron Mosley. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. basketball is his background. So he's going to want to succeed there and he's going to invest in McCaslin and in the program. So I think that is a benefit. The, um, some of the other things <clears throat> and thinking about it, how many open jobs do we think there will be like regionally, you know, SMU is not going to be open. Texas tech is making a back bounce back. So Mark Adams isn't gonna, you know, he's not going anywhere. Texas has the open job but they're going to shoot for a bigger fish. You look at Oklahoma as a possibility because Moser, there's lots of talk about them uh, wanting him wanting to get the Notre Dame job, but he has like a $9 million buyout. And I don't know, like if people were following Notre Dame was trying to pursue the Utah offensive coordinator and they couldn't afford the buyout or they didn't want to pay the buyout for him. So do they really want to pay a $9 million buyout for a basketball coach? Maybe that's why Notre Dame was saving so that they could pay for the Porter Moser buyout. But, you know, Oklahoma was on McCaslin before. And so would they be on him again? Uh, That's a possibility there. Oklahoma state. I think that's, 
you know, Boyden, he's starting there. They're on the bubble too. So, uh, you know, maybe he gets another year. Maybe he doesn't. That would be one to watch. Then Arkansas, Musselman's going to be in the mix for the Texas job. That's possibility. You know, everybody's going to tie him to West Virginia and, hmm, you know, yeah. Ren Baker because maybe we see, um, I can't think of Huggins. it now. It's Bob Huggins. Yeah. Maybe we see Huggy Bear retire, right? But if, if you're Ren Baker, do you want to be like, oh, he's just going to go get his coach from where he was before and he's not going to try and do something different? And would McCaslin even – you know, go to West Virginia. I think the fit for, you know, the roster development and building and and what McCaslin is, I think that fits the West Virginia culture. I don't know if the move fits him regionally, though. Like, does he want to be that far away from where he has his roots here? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if, if that'll be. But, I mean, and again – I mentioned plenty of times before the team next year. If you get Huntsbury to stay, if you get Perry to stay and you're losing Edie, you're bringing in a, a really good freshman, Alex Cotton, who's a, another six, five wing guy. Um, you're probably looking for another wing player like Edie to come in. The, they should be really good be, because the core is coming back. You know, Perry, Huntsbury, Scott, Usman, Jones, right? Having that group back next year, his team might be even better. And so does he does he want to leave possibly his best team ever? I think those are those are all factors for if this is the year that he does or not. I I think he's got I think he would stay one more year. And then Yeah, I mean and, so Alona's right. You consider that other part, right? There's that professional competition thing, right? You want to challenge yourself against the best. And Conference USA has been a good league. Uh, I think it's, you know, like, Conference USA football has sucked. Uh, but Conference USA basketball has been good. There's been a lot of good teams, and North Texas has been one of those good teams. And, like, say, like, last year losing to Louisiana Tech, that's, there's no shame in it. Louisiana Tech is a very good squad. Um, a couple years, you look at, like, was it North Texas beat Western, and they were good in the championship game. Western and Louisiana Tech made it to the NIT, and they, they gave a run. Western Kentucky has been pretty good squad. This year they suck, but they've been a pretty good squad for for years. Um, you know, like UAB won. You know, UAB was good when Marshall won as like a low seed. They end up getting an upset in the NCAA tournament. Like Conference USA basketball has been good, um, but the AAC is a step up in resources and all that other good stuff. You look at Houston over there; they're going to leave the Big Twelve whenever, but. Houston is in the AAC, and they're, like, you know, battling for one or two in the country. Um, so you want to say, well, you know, how do we increase our strength of schedule? How about Houston being in your conference, right? Like uh, a team like that, like a Memphis, or, you know, uh, Wichita State. Those kinds of programs that have – like you want to you wanna get some name recognition. You want to get people in the arena. How about Penny Hardaway's Memphis Tigers coming to, to Denton to play a game, right? That SMU, yeah, yeah, SMU, SMU, yeah. SMU coming there, yeah. Wichita State with their historical value coming there, yeah. I, yeah. So I one thing that I forgot to mention on it with going back to Mosley is, I think if you're McCaslin, you we've seen him tweet Mosley tweet about the strategic plan, you know, being updated. Like if I was McCaslin, I knew I had my best team possibly next year. 
I want to see what his vision is. What, what, where are we going, right? Where is the basketball program? Where are you headed? How are you going to get more fans in here? What's your plan for that? What is your plan to upgrade my resources? Like, I, I think that factors in. I don't think McCaslin's the type of guy that just is going to jump for money and prestige opportunity. I think he's going to weigh everything that's in front of him, the team that he has coming back, the vision, you know, the conference that they're in and ability to schedule better, because that was one thing that he was obviously frustrated about this year was nobody wanted to play him. Like maybe some more people are going to want to play you once you're in the AAC, because if they lose to you in the, you know, (laughs) non-conference, it's not about, it's not a big of a hit as it is losing to a conference USA team. Yeah, I mean, it could be, that's the other part too, right? It's like, maybe you can get a schedule, maybe you can kick in a few more dollars to make it make it sweet enough for them to, to go play you, for whatever the case is, or I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm not privy to the details of those kinds of discussions, but, um, I don't, you know, th- that's the, the advantage going to AAC, is that there will be more money in one way or another. Uh, speaking of that Memphis thing, right? So, like, you know, it's a little bit, because Memphis is five hours away from St. Louis, but... Uh, you know, I grabbed season tickets to SLU, and everybody wanted those tickets to the Memphis game because, you know, Penny Hardaway's coming to town versus, you know, like a Duquesne or whatever it was. Um, anyway, uh, I think that the last question is, well, here's another one. This is not from Ryan, but it was, uh, do you think North Texas is making an NCAA tournament? I think, or what are the chances they make it? I think it's good. It's a, it's a good chance. It's like, 50% in that, that area. Because basically what you're asking is can North Texas win the conference tournament? And yes, the answer is yes. There's no team that is out there where I think oh, North Texas needs to play, you know, um, like two standard deviations beyond their abilities to win. Like if you can play North Texas basketball, that means like say 98, <laughs> 85 to 95% of your abilities, can you still win? Yes. Yes, you can be FAU like that. They basically had you FAU beat with five minutes to go in two games, right? And then just kind of, you know, messed up down the stretch. Um, you can beat UAB. Some of that's Jelly Walker. He's, he might go off and just kill you, but that's always the case. You can beat UAB. You probably need more 95 and more 100% of your abilities than you do 85%. But then who else you got? Um, like, you know, I don't know. It's like, there's, is there anybody else that you're like, oh, this team... They're just gonna challenge you so much. I, I don't. I don't think that there's any other squad. You can lose to any squad, yes, because anybody can play better. We just saw that against UTEP. The ball's bouncing their ways. Um, you can lose, right? That's the beauty of basketball. But uh, North Texas can beat any of those squads, and so that there's your good chance. And then beyond that, I think there's a chance where North Texas could be getting in on a resume based on what everybody's saying, right? Just you know, this that and the other. It's yeah, possible, so, but I don't know. Yeah, did- the, depending on what bracketologist you look at, I mean, there, there's hundreds of them out there, and there are better ones than Jerry Palm and Joe Lenardi. I'm just saying. Like, you can expand your horizons and go find some out there There's that like North Texas's resume, that have them in that group of, you know, 12 teams that are vying for the last couple spots. For North Texas, right, to, how do you remain in that group is you have to, to win out. And then at that point, that this is just my belief. I think when conference tournaments start, the selection committee is like, okay, this is the field that we currently have, and we're going to work on seeding that field. What's going to cause us to adjust our, our, 
our mindset is if a bid stealer like let's say you know old miss were to win the sec tournament old miss is not getting in in a large bid and so they're going to steal one of those you know last eight 12 teams they're going to steal a bit away from one of those and knock them out so that's just how i feel like you're either in or out starting conference tournament play but you can't get in based on what you do in the conference tournament unless you win that tournament that's yeah. that's kind of like how i feel about it so north texas could very possibly be in the tournament and then maybe they don't win and they get knocked out. The other thing, and this was one that I was playing with in my mind, was like, let's say North Texas is one of those teams that the committee says, you know what, we got North Texas in, you know, right now. And we got FAU in right now. And let's say that North Texas loses in a semifinal game against, you know, whoever. Then as a North Texas fan, you really want to root for FAU to win the tournament, right? Because then the selection committee is probably like, well, you know, hey, we got two conference USA teams, you know, FAU, you know, we're going to let them get in because they've got a better resume than North Texas. They beat them twice, fair and square. They won the conference regular season championship. So we got to put them in over a North Texas team. And then we're going to, you know, the other bid's going to go to whoever were to win the Conference USA tournament. That would be, that's where you kind of like, you get a little scary. It doesn't matter. We're just, we just got to go win in Frisco. But I mean, just looking at the different scenarios in my mind, that was one where I was like, if I was the selection committee, I don't know if I could have three Conference USA teams. <laughs> I'd give you two, yeah, I but can, not yeah. three. I mean, that's the other thing too, is like, if we're going to lose, it, it needs to be, it needs to be championship game. Like, I think for us to feel any kind of confident, um, like it needs to be like at the buzzer FAU beats us or something like that. And I think that's the ideal scenario. And then like, all right, we can put both these squads in because they can do some things. Um, I mean, because, uh, you know, I don't I don't know. I, I just don't. I don't think that the committee is going to look at North Texas and say this is a squad that we want to put in for a lot of reasons. And I know they're not. They're like, do we have a following? I, I think they look at the resumes, the set and the other. But I think a lot of times they're like. Do they do people care, right? Are, are people gonna care? Do they want to see this? Are they gonna tune in? Do they have a national thing? Do you know, like, is it gonna mess with the ratings? And um, you know, so I think it, it's conference tournament or bust. That that's how it is for me. And even with that narrower narrower criterion, I think North Texas still has a good shot of making the tournament. I'm very, I'm, I don't say I'm confident. I'm confident they have a good chance. Yeah. <laughs> like I I would cry tears of joy again if we won the tournament like we did when we beat western kentucky but you know if it's unfortunate we don't win that but then i hear my name our name called by greg gumbel <laughs> on selection sunday yeah. i'm gonna be i'm just gonna like lose my shit i'm just gonna be like running up and down the street what are the chances here. that he says north texas state <laughs> i don't care i don't care gonna, i would yeah, just if he does that i'm gonna get all my north texas gear and just Put screen print state underneath North Texas. That's what I'm gonna do. I don't care. It's fine. We're gonna be North Texas state again. I'm gonna go hop in my public safety vehicle. I'm gonna turn <laughs> the lights flashing on. I'm gonna be playing the North Texas fight song and be like, "That's right, we got an at-large bid because <laughs> that is just the most awesome thing that I've ever seen in my entire life." Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think that that you know, you're talking about taking it to the next level, right? Getting an at-large bid—that's something that would be. Uh, 
impressive because no Conference USA team has done that in a long time. I think pre-2013, right? Um, all right, so last thing is uh, why is Abu Usman filing everybody? Why is he getting filed out all the time? I think he's not moving his feet and he reaches too much. Those are my two observations. He gets refereed differently. Yeah. That's that's one observation. He does reach when he shouldn't. Like, you know, his his fifth foul the other night, like you, he didn't have to do it. Like yeah. you you were in perfectly guarding perfect guarding position and then he reached down mm-hmm. and stuck his hand in where it, it, there was no point. That guy was already falling out of bounds. Like just let him fall out of bounds. And I don't like, I think Usman just wants to make a play. Like yeah. I, he just seems like the type of dude that's just trying to, to do the best that he can. The other thing is like, I think referees and it's not just Usman, like it's all over college basketball and they don't really do a good job of explaining it. It's like, I think that you see more fouls called with the lower body than the upper body because guys are, they're straight up and down. Yeah. Like, you know, Usman, 25% of his fouls, he's straight up and down, but it's, is his lower body contacting the defender. Yeah. And yeah. like, and a lot of times it's occurring where a dude is coming at you straight on line drive. And what are you supposed to do? They continue to back up. They're straight up and down and the referee calls a foul. I'm like, well, what, what exactly is the defender supposed to do? What are you expecting him to do? So well, there there was one where I think it was Sissoko did like a knee to the guy's gut. So I mean, I think, I think you know, like sometimes it's the, it seems like that's the cheating way. But refs are looking at everything you're doing, not just your hands. So your hands are straight up, that's fine. But you can't, you know, karate kick the guy in the gut. You know, you can't muay thai the guy in the gut. In the gut. So yeah, there's so little things I mean, like that, that happen too. The refs are refing by the rule book. But I think like the rule book needs to be rewritten. The the, <laughs> the block charge thing that definitely needs to be rewritten. I, and I know North Texas benefits a lot from drawing charges, but it's just getting to be like too much. Like you, it's yeah, it way too much. It, yeah. It's it's bad. Well, I, I would say that that's a different discussion because I think within those rules, I think Usman could do a better job not fouling so much. And for me. I appreciate his aggression, but I would like him to stop reaching so much. Like we don't need him digging down. Just be big. Just be big and be in the way, and then get a rebound like that. Like if you're just big, you're trying to stop them from shot, shooting the shot. Like block it with your hand straight up. You're gonna your your blocks per game are gonna go down just a little bit, but that's fine because their shooting percentage in your area is gonna go down too. It's hard to make a shot over a seven foot dude, uh, even if you're six foot seven or whatever like that. Just be big. Like you got to tell them, like, hey, look, there's this imaginary plane, and it's a hot surface that's straight <laughs> up and down. And if you go, if you if you break that plane, you're gonna burn your hand. You're gonna get called for a foul. Yeah, just be big, get the rebound, keep it up high, throw an outlet. You know, and um, and nobody can see this, but both me and Adam are both reaching up and down right now. We're both <laughs> like, hey, you got to be straight up. You got to not anybody just straight up. I mean, it, the the thing is, like, it's a thing. Like, you watch, I think one of the, like, the thing is about being a San Antonio Spurs fan is that the Spurs have been great. Uh, Don't foul people. Yeah, yeah, here it goes. Here it goes. Um, for a long time. And and it's remarkable because it seems almost impossible when you look at everybody else do it. But they do a great job of doing that, just being straight up. And all that. they challenge everybody, but their hands are straight up. They don't foul. And that's that's huge. Um. I, I, anyways, I, I think North Texas does a good job playing defense. Um. You know, we just gotta 
We just got to get our, some of our best players on the floor more often. That means don't reach. Just don't reach, man. That, that was just – maybe he just doesn't play well against UTEP. Because, I mean, <laughs> he, he had been playing well up until that game. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. It's part. It's all part of. It. He's growing as a player and all that. He's he's been getting good. I, I'm a fan of Abu Usman. You know, since his first year here, when he just came in, you're like, you know, he has some nice. He has some nice game there, even though he's a little little pudgy a little bit. But then he got himself in shape. You know, like he's looking all cut up, and then he he has more moves around the rim. Uh, you know, everybody thinks he's one of the best players in the league, better big man at least. Uh, and he is. He's been a success story for North Texas basketball, and I'm a fan. Next thing, he needs to develop the dream shake. Like <laughs> I, I, I fully see it. Like he's got the the yeah. nimble feet. Like you hit him with a little pow. pow, pow. <laughs> That's gonna be his combo move. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what? Uh, that would be great. I think, and you know what? If he gets in the gym and starts working on his jump training, so he can get some dunks, a little bit more dunks. You know what I mean? He's got. Mm-hmm. He, he'll 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 kind of finish around, but like just watching Sissoku just dunk it, I'm like, you know, that's you kind of need a guy just to just being a dunker spot. It really just makes things easier. Like I like Usman finishing, but then sometimes. You know, like the little touch shots around the rim, they fail you, you know? It's a lot harder yeah, to fail I mean, when you just throw it in. We really haven't had a guy like that since Goo, right? That yeah, just a funny. big guy that, that really finishes. You know, Thomas Bell was a great jumper and stuff, but he wasn't a dude that was going to dunk over people at the rim, Yeah. right? And, and Ruben can do it when he's in the in the uh, open court. And, and we've seen Kai Huntsbury. He tried to end somebody's life <laughs> earlier this year with the left-hand dunk. And, um, but, yeah, Sissoko is just – He's a good counter to, to Usman. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very valuable, but if, like, maybe next season North Texas can, can scour the transfer portal and try to find a guy that can finish like that, you know, like around the rim, just somebody could just catch a lot. Like, James Reese is a lob catcher kind of dude, right? Uh, haven't really had somebody like that. It, it it does change the game, right? Like, again, we saw UTEP doing it, flying around, getting dunks. You're like, oh, Ken, what, what are you supposed to do about that? It was Kai Huntsbury on the guy. He j- jumped up over him, dunked it. Um, I think we we answered all the questions from two people. Uh, one guy by text, one guy by the Twitters. Um, it feels good. We we haven't talked about this week, so let's mention this week ha- coming up. It's uh, Charlotte and Charlotte. Charlotte. Just the one that's game. It? Just the one game. Yeah, that's a Thursday game, February twenty three. Uh, Charlotte away, so it's the Queen City. It's apparently really nice. Uh, it's B level according to Ken Palm, and we'll give you a little breakdown right now. Um, I mean, we we whooped them last time. I think they're going to be ready for a little revenge. North Texas has uh, like North Texas number one rated offense in conference, and they are the sixth rated defense uh, according to Ken Palm. They are the sixth rated offense, and we are the third rated defense. Um, you know, like it, it's again all about Ali Khalifa. Uh, that Bryce Williams dude is he, you know he can score from a lot, uh, from all over the place. He's shooting like forty percent from three. Um, you know, like you, we basically saw what they had, and North Texas handled them very well. Uh, I don't expect another blowout, but uh, you know, like I think North Texas knows what to expect from them. They they're gonna try to make it tough. Charlotte's pretty good in spots, but you know, they beat Western in, o, in OT and they beat Louisiana Tech the other night. But again, we saw Louisiana Tech doesn't have one of their guys. I, I don't know. Yeah, we we haven't played in Charlotte since the uh, year we went to the NCAA tournament, Sweet. right? Sweet. No, wait, 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 wait. Was it? I think it might have been the year before. I don't know. I think it was twenty. That was the year we went. So, um, that was 
No, that was the COVID year. That was the last time we played in Charlotte was the COVID year. So, and we lost. Yeah. Um, so we have not played well there. Hopefully it's not a house of horrors like El Paso was for us and we can overcome that. I think really like you hit it in there in the offensive efficiency numbers. It's like, you know, Charlotte is not going to defend very well um, against us. As long as we're patient, break down their defense, you know, we should be fine. Um, we've already talked in the past about the, the, the tempos, the similarities there, but North Texas is just a better slow playing team. And then uh, for North Texas, it's, you know, defending the three point line. I think like that's always those, these type of games is the three point line is going to matter the most in an upset, especially in, in, in March. Yeah. Like Charlotte doesn't have the kind of athletes that play with the kind of intensity that UTEP does. And so then, you know, like some of those those moments we saw against UTEP where there's like second, third effort, the ball's on the ground, and it kind of creates um, like chaotic, chaotic situations, um, like weird transition moments that, you know, like UTEP was benefiting from. I don't see Charlotte creating those kind of situations, right? They do shoot the ball well, and they, they might get kind of hot. Like I think they have four guys that shoot 40%. Uh, what was it Khalifa has made 33 three-pointers Williams has made 40 uh Patterson and Milicic have made 20 plus each um and then Aldrich has made 17 and then Threadgill and Gibson have made 27 and 34 respectively it's like they they all can shoot it but that's the deal is like you don't want to let let them get catch and shoot situation North Texas did a great so, job of you know making them work for that not really the, where we struggled last game, I know we blew them out, but the one area we struggled was defending the pick and roll, the pick and pop, like their yeah, big guys, yeah. Khalifa was in threes, then their other um, guy after Khalifa was in threes, and Sissoko and, Uz, yeah, and Uj, Uzman were both struggling to, you know, get that. And then I think towards the end of the game, they just were like, fine, we're just going to switch everything <laughs> yeah. and, you know, just go from there. So I, that'll well, be something to watch. So, like, I think big men shooting threes is dangerous because you can't really stop it. But I think the trade-off is that unless you have a, a, a rebounder or somebody like that, then you're just taking some size out of the middle of the paint. And, you know, like I know basketball is about length and all this other stuff is that that – if you miss or if, you know, like something happens there, then we should be getting those rebounds and then we should be going the other way and then, you know, taking care of business. I think like cause it just it eliminates like foul trouble, all those other things that happen. Like you look at UTEP again, they throw the ball at the rim and they got like five guys that are all leaping like crazy attacking the rim and that, that just tires you out. But then if you're a big man and just stepping out there shooting a three, you're like, oh, okay, well, we're, there's no energy expended on that one. You know what I mean? So, but I, yeah. I, I, I see your point. Um, so Charlotte this week, and then in the next next podcast, we'll talk about um, uh, the big weekend, the Middle Tennessee Thursday game, and then Western Kentucky Saturday game. That's losing a little luster because Western Kentucky all of a sudden sucks. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened. They were they were playing good, they were there, and then then well, they lose. I think all we can say is that Luke Frampton was the key to their offense. He's the number one player, I guess. Um, so they it, were playing well without him. <laughs> I don't know what to say, man. Um, so, yeah, this is it. It's, it's Charlotte, Middle, Western. The last time we'll see Middle and Western in this league, uh, Charlotte's coming with us to the AAC. So we'll 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 continue to play against them. 
but this is it. Last three games, uh, North Texas is twenty three and five and fourteen and three uh, in conference. It's a good. It's a good record. Another twenty one season. Let's celebrate that. I, I mean, I glossed over that when we played uh, uh, UAB and beat them. Right, make it twenty and five. It used to be that twenty one seasons were a big deal, uh, and now it's like I didn't even. It didn't even register in my brain. Yeah, but Sporting. you know why? You know, you know why it didn't re- register because McCaslin. I don't want to win twenty games. I want to <laughs> win a championship. That's what you're playing in your mind. Like I don't care. If we won twenty. Yeah, they, they, I you mean, go you know, over the screen and we win a championship. That's that's it. Yeah, like he trained us all because like uh you know like fourteen and three this time. I think last year at this point, North Texas was right about the same thing. Uh, was it thirteen and one? We're thirteen and we're fourteen and one last year. North Texas was, so we've lost a few more games. Obviously, the the what you call it one, but you have a chance to win seventeen conference games. Last year, North Texas won sixteen, which was a a record, I think, at the time, uh, at least in in North Texas history. So breaking a little record there. I like it. Anyway, let's 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 do good in this one. Um, it, 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 we're pretty much aiming for that. Uh, well, we have the seventh longest win streak at eight games, by the way. Nation's seventh long, longest win streak. Um, FAU has lost two games in conference. They just lost to middle, right? Middle beat them, uh, which is bad for the conference overall because like, FAU was like the number one seed. Uh, FAU has four games left. Uh, they got UTSA, which is terrible. They got UTEP uh, at home, so it's not as dangerous. Rice away, Louisiana Tech away. Away, I'd say they'd win all four of those games because none of those teams scare me any. Uh, so I expect, the, in case you're wondering, like, how does North Texas get the number one seed? We need FAU to lose two more and North Texas to win out. So FAU needs needs to have one more loss than does North Texas. That's that's the goal. That's what you're aiming for. So win out North Texas last three games. FAU lose two. I'll tell you that, that if, happens. If if FAU was going to lose, I would say it would be to Rice. And UTEP, like those are the two that I would say. How did they do it against UTEP last time? They blew them out. They blew out UTEP in El Paso, and then they played Rice, and they blew. Oh, well, they didn't blow them out. They beat Rice by nine, ninety to eighty-one. That was a high-scoring game, and that was at home. I think going to Houston is always weird. You should go to that game, man. It's on Thursday, the second. No, I'm not. Gonna go to that game. Go. go to that game and tell me what they're doing over there. <laughs> um, North Texas is playing middle that day, so yeah, you can watch I'm, it after the game. We need a lot. We need we need somebody to do reporting live from enemy territory. You know? <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going there. Um, all right, so ladies and gentlemen, that's that's it. Like, is an outside chance that we can hang the regular season banner because that's still a thing. We can say we want a regular season. Just root against FAU if you want. You want to do some rooting against? Do it. Do that. North Texas plays uh, uh, Thursday against Charlotte in Charlotte. Uh, if you're going to travel out there, I can't imagine a lot of people are going to do that. But uh, I hear Charlotte's a great town. Everybody likes it. Everybody said, uh, you know, I got coworkers that work out there. We got some. We got a branch out there, so uh, our department, whatever it's called. Um, you know, so there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Green Nation podcast. Thanks for listening. Go Green.